Hi, Andrew. Thanks for having me back. For those who, who yeah, thanks for having me back. For those who, who have been following Andrew since the beginning, I was on an interview back in 2020. That's a funny way of saying it, but uh, yeah, 2020. And, and so that interview was about SubmitHub, and I happened to be the guy who started SubmitHub. So I got my beginnings in the music industry downloading a whole bunch of torrents and having so much music at my fingers that I needed to share it with the world. And so I started a music blog in 2007 called Indie Shuffle. And I've seen a lot since then from the whole web sheriff days where we used to get emails telling us to take down our MP3s to the emergence of SoundCloud, the dominance of Hype Machine, and then the collapse of all of that while Spotify grew. And somewhere along the way, I happened to start a website called SubmitHub in 2015. And the goal of SubmitHub was to solve a problem that I was having with Indie Shuffle, which was that I was getting about 300 artist pitches a day from musicians who wanted us to feature their content. And truth be told, I was deleting it all because it was impossible to sift through. And so SubmitHub's purpose was to create a, a sort of a centralized and unified way of bringing that data into Indie Shuffle's ecosystem, sorting through it, and then figuring out whether we want to blog it or not. So SubmitHub has grown a lot since then, but I think that original origin, which I just summed up in, in 30 seconds there, is important uh, if you are approaching it as an artist. Having that context that you know, SubmitHub was intended to solve this problem of connecting musicians and connecting curators. And I think what sets us apart quite differently there is that you can look at SubmitHub as, as sort of a smart directory. It's, it's like your old school spreadsheet with all your contacts, but there's so much more information. And what we want to do is connect you in a, in a transparent and easy way. But what we're not doing is we can't make any promises about your success. So SubmitHub isn't necessarily a place that you can come to, give us $20 and expect your music to blow up. What we're really trying to do is connect you with the right people who can amplify and share your music and hopefully through this video, I can give you a couple tips about how to optimize those results and what you really should be looking forward to uh, when you get into it. Because there are artists who approach it the wrong way, spend too much money, don't do their targeting properly. And then there are some who can leverage it properly. Even if you're small and you're just getting started, SubmitHub's tools can be utilized to gain feedback on your songs, whether you're getting it from curators or from other artists with Hot or Not. And you can also use it to teach Spotify's algorithm, which is actually one of the things I'm more excited about these days. So that yeah. in a nutshell is, is who I am. I'm the, I'm the dude making SubmitHub and, tr and trying to make it better. Hopefully we <laughs> learn something in this conversation that I can take back and also use to make the platform better. Yeah, man. So yeah, when we last talked, it was, I think it was early 2020. So it's crazy that it's actually been like three years, um, <laughs> which, is, which is nuts. And so like since then, I've talked with, uh, like over a thousand artists, I think, like one-on-one, -on -one. and then never mind with my, my course students and people on my YouTube channel. Um, and so like I'm often recommending artists, like, you know, they say, if I have a thousand bucks, where should I spend my money to market my music? You know, of course, they're doing the whole organic thing too, but that's kind of separate. And so I'll tell them, you know, if you have a thousand dollars, I'm a big fan of Facebook ads. And so I'll tell them, spend 850 on Facebook ads, usually conversion campaigns, sending people to streaming services, a hundred on YouTube ads if they have a video that's worth promoting. And then 50 bucks on SubmitHub. And the pe like half the people will say, you know, when I say SubmitHub, they'll kind of roll their eyes and be like, oh, no. Or, or they'll say they heard something bad online about it, right? And um, 
then I tell them, you know, that normally their complaints are they didn't like the feedback. They they're like, I got re I got like, I pitched to fifty people, and I got rejected, um, forty times. And then I'm like, that's actually pretty good. And they're like, what? <laughs> you know? And so, because um, like the average acceptance rate on SubmitHub is somewhere around twenty percent acceptance. And I, I usually tell people that, honestly, if they're getting 10%, that's actually, like, reasonable. Like, a reasonable expectation. If you get a 10% acceptance rate. So, the people who kind of either, like, roll their eyes because they, they don't... They, they've had some bad experience or they think they've had a bad experience. Or the people complaining about the acceptance rates. What would you say to them? Um, I, I like to bring up an analogy of Lady Gaga. If you put her in a room with 100 people and you asked them who she was and what her music sounded like, 98 out of 100 would have no clue. I'm talking just like an average sample size of the population. They wouldn't know who she is or what her music sounds like. All it takes is that 2 out of 100 to make her one of the biggest megastars in history, or at least alive today. Uh, yeah. And I think that that takeaway, that all it takes is really 2 in 100, is an important one when you think about it as an artist. You, you have to put yourself out there in order to learn who your audience is. And so SubmitHub can be a useful tool for that. Let's say you are submitting to 50 people and 40 of them say no. You might be able to learn something from that, but at the end of the day, those aren't the people that you should be spending your time on or interested in. It's those 10 people who said yes, where you should probably double down on your efforts and try to find similar profiles and like audiences. So you speak a lot about advertising on your channel, and I think that's a really effective way to do that. But one of the important parts of advertising is the learning phase that you go through when you first kick off your campaigns. It can be a lot more expensive. Sometimes the targeting isn't as great. The results aren't good. But if you stick it out and you teach Instagram's sort of algorithms where you belong and who they should be targeting, you can start to get much better results. So I think... With SubmitHub, I would often err on the side of encouraging people to start small to get a feel for it because there is a steep learning curve on SubmitHub. And then also, don't focus so much on the rejection. Try to identify who that audience is that you can connect with and grow within that. So a lot of it to me is, is, is hyper-targeting, if you will. You want to really focus in on, on that niche that you're going for. And sometimes that means you'll hit SubmitHub and only have five or ten people to submit to. And that's okay. I, I think I'm totally on board with your idea that, you know, reserve $800 for Meta ads, $150 for YouTube, and $50 for SubmitHub. That's fine. I think artists do actually often make the mistake of spreading themselves too thin and, and getting rejected left and right because they, they're really not targeting as well as they could. Yeah. Yeah, and, and on the Lady Gaga thing, that's a good point because, like, Drake is obviously immensely successful. I couldn't name one Drake song. And so, like, I'm not the Drake audience, right? Like, I don't like hip-hop. Yeah, I don't think I could either. So that's zero for two. And, and uh, like, a lot of people... And we both work in the music industry. Right, right. And, like, I'm sure, like, yeah. and I, I don't think I've ever heard Drake. I don't even really know what he sounds like. And, um, but, like, you know, same samesies if I were to start talking about, like, a Periphery song or a Meshuggah song. You might have no idea who those artists even are. But they've no, had bless careers you. for I decades. I thought you sneezed. Right? I don't know what yeah. that was. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, sugar has been around for like 30 years and they're immensely successful in, in, in terms of like a metal band successful. Um, they don't need the whole world to be successful. Like if you have 1% of the planet population, 
you're like immensely super famous, right? Because there's 8 billion people and 1% of yeah, that that's is, massive. is what, like 80, 80 million. million? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's huge. Um, now on the, on the uh, Submit Hub side, you were talking about how like, you know, you can do this hyper-targeting thing and kind of learn about your audience. And I know someone whose who's strategy, he, he started his own label and he has his own music projects. And his submit hub acceptance rates are frequently higher than 40%. Because what he does is at first he would just kind of pitch to everyone or everyone in his genre. He's doing electronic music, so it's it's a it's like a popular genre on submit hub. Um, and he just kind of like on submit hub you can track and like look at the people that have previously approved you. So what he does is when he drops a song, he pitches to all the people who have previously approved his music. And naturally, most of them will accept the new song. And that's kind of like how Facebook ads, you go through and like the first time you do a campaign, it's usually going to be probably the worst one you ever do because you're just trying to figure stuff out. With Submit Hub, um, it's, it's in a lot of cases, it's probably going to be similar. Like you're going to try, oh, my music is this genre. And then you pitch to curators in that genre and they hate it. But you're like, well, maybe it's this genre. And then it, instead of getting like a 5% acceptance rate, it gets like a 15. You're like, okay, people in this genre like my music better than this genre. You know? And I'm, yeah, I'm it's, guessing, it's um, a difficult one. It's a difficult one with the, with the genres to really know what you, where you're going to fit. There are some artists who use a feature on Submit Hub called Hot or Not to get a better idea of where their genre should fit. So the way Hot or Not works is that it's, it's completely free. But if you get on there and you rate five other artists' songs, you can submit your song to be rated in return. So it's sort of, I'll scratch your back if you scratch mine. And so what you can do on there that some artists do is they will submit their song tagged with like five different genres, and then you can actually see a breakdown of which genres are performing better, who's giving you the highest rating. So um, you can either do it for free, sit in there and rate other people, or you could just shell out $5 and you can buy 50 ratings. So for $5, 50 ratings, pretty good deal. Um, yeah, it's actually I think it's just five credits, which you can actually get way cheaper yeah, than that, that five dollars, four dollars, or even less. I think it could it could be four dollars or less. We frequently give out coupons. So um, yeah, bottom line is it's quite cheap. You're paying roughly ten cents per response that you get, but across those different genres, you can actually get a better idea of where you would fit. That one's still slightly tedious. So I am debating rolling out at some point the idea of of being able to take your song and submitting it with the direct question of what genre is this and, and getting yeah. 10 responses within five minutes. So I think there are enough people on SubmitHub at any given time to be able to respond to that within that time frame. But yeah, ultimately, yeah. The, the point being, your first experience on SubmitHub is generally not your best experience. And we do try to improve it as well as we can. We actually automatically hide almost 50% of the curators your first time submitting. Oh, so we hide anyone who, that's yeah, interesting. It's, called, it's, called, it's, called, it's called the recommended picks. It's, it's under the filters and you can deselect it at any time. But if it's your first time submitting that song, we automatically select it. And what it does is it hides anyone who's got an approval rate below 5%. And it also hides anyone who doesn't seem to have a very strong genre alignment with the genre that you've selected. So in doing both of those, we usually eliminate anywhere between 30 to 50% of the options. And the idea there is that we're trying to limit the number of bad choices that an artist can make. So the better I can do at pushing people towards the right 
curators, the better their experience is going to be on there. So genre is definitely an important part of that. And if you get that wrong, you're going to be off to a bad start. But some of the new tools that we've rolled out recently on the submission feed are centralized around the ability to preview the content that that curator has been sharing. So if you're looking at Submit Hub's feed and you're deciding who to send to, you'll actually see there's a little play button next to their profile yeah. that will give you 30 second samples of the songs they've been sharing from within the genre that you've selected. And furthermore, you, if, if they happen to be a playlister, which at this point the majority of curators are, you can actually flip through their playlists to see what those sound like. And then we've taken a whole bunch of steps recently to, to try and identify how niche and focused a playlist is as well. So all of this we can get into in a bit more detail, but it comes back down to, to getting that genre right. And hopefully if you're getting it wrong, I'm giving you enough tools now that you can quickly learn that, hold on, these guys aren't covering music that sounds like me at all. Yeah. Yeah, I was on Submit Hub earlier today just to kind of like make sure that I was up to date with the most recent iteration of the platform. And I saw that little play button. I was like, ah, that's a cool idea. Because the previous thing I would tell people, like, if you really want to get the most out of your money on Submit Hub, go through and look at the playlists, open them up, take a quick scan, make sure it's the right kind of Super tedious. Super yeah. tedious, but if you can just click play and kind of quickly just hear the song in five seconds, like, you know, I think three years ago, we one of the things we talked about is how can a curator possibly judge a song in 20 seconds? And we were both agreeing, like, usually when you hear a song within five seconds, you know if it's for you or not. And it's kind of like for yeah. that on the artist side, you click play in the a curator's recently shared feed, you're going to instantly know, like, yeah, that's not really what I was going for, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I, I, I do hope it's helpful in that sense. Um, the, the needle in terms of average approval rates hasn't really fluctuated much between that, that 20%. It's, it's over Christmas, it hit 23%. And I was like, yes, my changes have worked. And now that everyone's back online, it's down to like 21%. And I'm like, okay, well, maybe, maybe I was just reading into the numbers the wrong way. But yeah, the idea here is that you can make much more informed decisions. And, and my um, colleague Dylan and I did a live stream last week where we went through and did a Spotify submission in real time. And if you were to watch that on, on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash submit hub, it's our first and only video so far. But if you were to watch that, <laughs> well, neither did we. We made it for the live stream, but we just thought it'd be cool to do a live stream and we're going to do more. But one of the things that we, we really emphasize as we go through it is we were listening to the music. So we were narrowing in our genres, then we were sampling what these playlists was, were, were featuring. And, and a couple of times we actually went back and thought, oh, hold on, these, these genres that even we selected, like we, we've both been blogging for more than a decade and we, we run Submit Hub and we were still adjusting our own genres based on the samples that we were getting back from these guys. So yeah. it's pretty cool and it's actually all powered by Spotify's API. So it's 30 second samples of each song as you click through it. Um, and it's streaming directly from Spotify. It usually starts somewhere in the middle of the song. I don't know how they allocate what those 30 seconds should be, but right. it's a good way to flip through it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a cool feature. Um, lost my train of thought. Where was I going to ask next? <laughs> oh, well, I guess this is a good, a good kind of place to break off and compare Submit Hub to other platforms that have kind of come out in the past well, some of them have been around for a while, but some that have come out in the past years. And so one of them, which I did a detailed comparison on my channel, I did a video, I spent like $600 uh, 
um, testing out playlist push and submit hub. And I just went through the results. Now, naturally, $560 was spent on playlist push just because they, their minimums are like, I don't think you can even run a campaign for less than 300 bucks. Submit hub, it was like 40, 50, $50. And so what I did is I tracked the, um, essentially every playlist I get added from each, each platform. So I did the same song, tracked all the playlists, tracked, let it, let them run for a month, tracked the streams, the listeners, um, tracked the followers of each playlist. I, tr I did some math, you know, you calculate the, uh, streams per follower ratio, so you can kind of get an idea of how engaged a playlist is. And then I also tracked how much money I spent on each platform and divided like cost per stream. And essentially the, the end result was that playlist push was seven times more expensive per stream than submit hub. Now, obviously this is one person, one song. If you wanted a really like pure test, you'd do it with like 50 people or something. But um, I think it's a pretty accurate representation of, of how it, um, the differences there. Like submit hub is kind of like, you know, the, the Android and some playlist push is kind of like the Apple in a way. Like, Playlist, and I don't want to make that comparison because I'm actually more of an Apple person. But, yeah, it's like, but, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm on both. I used to work for Google, but but Apple makes some quality products. So what so you're the, implying and, there is that Playlist Push has a quality <laughs> product. So the, 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 the reason I make that comparison is because one of the things that Apple does is they lock off the user from having control in a lot of things. And Android's generally more open. And that's kind of like everything in Playlist Push is it's like you can't pick your curator. The curators can't pick their genre. The often, like as a curator on Playlist Push, I get a bunch of in, an inaccurate music because Playlist Push is matching them to me, and I can't change my genre or whatever. And so, like on Submit Hub, it's completely wide open. It's like you're given like all these little metrics, and and everything you can change and select and choose and sort. And, it, and like some people find it overwhelming, but I think it's in just like kind of. You know, a lot of Apple stuff is more like simpler, but you get a lot of features taken away. Submit Hub gives you all the features and it can be a little overwhelming, but I think it's much better solution. So I guess like just a kind of a long way of asking, what do you think about Playlist Push? <laughs> okay, I think the best way to put it is this. Playlist Push is more like an agency. You're paying them a lot more money to do the work for you. You're basically saying, here's my song, take care of it. So in some ways they're a bit like a publicist. And that costs more money. So for some people, the time that they would spend on Submit Hub, sifting through these curations, dealing with feedback, following up with shares, that type of stuff, that's not worth $500. Their time is worth more money than that. Uh, and, and you'll find this, especially with something like a major label, right? They've got big budgets. They don't want to dawdle yeah. on this. They've got a ton of things to go on. So they'll just carve out, hey, Playlist Push, here's $1,000, take care of this. So Playlist Push, I think, pitches themselves as much more of a boutique agency type of service. I, I got banned from Playlist Push as a curator, so I can't speak too well for it. Um, but George and I do have a decent report. We've had some good conversations. Uh, we yeah. feel like we are operating in a slightly different space. And, yeah. and I do think he has the best intentions in mind. But the big advantage that SubmitHub has over every single competitor out there is, is the speed at which we're able to develop the product roll out new features and adjust to the, the ecosystem and the demands of artists. So you point out rightly that Submit Hub really, I mean, Playlist Push really struggles with genre targeting. 
And I often hear this complaint from curators as well. Uh, and I think that's because they're trying to use Spotify's tags to align your song with the curator's preferences. And those tags, I've, I've looked through them, I've tried this with their Spotify's API, they are all over the place. Um, and if you ever wanna get an idea of how varied it can be, you, you go to um, everynoise.com, which is now owned by Spotify, but it's, it's one of the, oh, really? one of the coolest websites. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what, so what's, they what's frustrating is like in Spotify's API, I'm some for some reason tagged as Brazilian synth pop. Yes, I saw that. I'm American. And like, like I could see the synth pop thing. Like I have electronic music. It's kind of poppy. Um, and I, most of my listeners are in Brazil just cause it's, it's, there's a lot of people there and it's cheap to advertise to. So, but it's like, it, it is in some ways a shortcoming of, of computer program. I mean, like they, yeah. they could bill it as AI or whatever they want, but, um, people are still better at this. Yeah, uh, and and our it's it's hard to to simulate our ears or figure this out. I mean, I I asked ChatGPT like, what is the genre of this song? And I pasted it in a Spotify link, and their response was, well, we can't listen. And I've tried <laughs> I've tried a few services that do try to fingerprint and analyze audio services because I've debated this. Like, artists struggle figuring out their genre, and I thought, wouldn't it be cool if people could just put in their link and I tell them, hey, it's this genre. And so I, I looked at a few of the companies in this space and they, they have made great strides and they're often pretty good, especially with things like BPM and energy and mood and whatnot. But the, ultimately the genres are all over the place and, and Spotify's yeah. problem is that they've got too many. Like what is Brazilian synthwave? Is that different from Brazilian synth pop? Or what about the Argentinian one? What about, like it's just, yeah. it's just all over the place. And I think that's part of the struggle that Playlist Push has there. I don't know that they're able to to iterate as quickly with their code and they certainly operate in a in a much more private way so they don't let you see who your song is going to be submitted to and they don't let curators communicate with those artists either on top of that they seem to incentivize higher payments based on approving more which does fall yeah, slightly do. shy of the whole payola thing with spotify mm -hmm. it Hasn't been a problem so far. Playlist Push has been around for five or six years without an issue. But I, you know, part of that secrecy means that people can't really call them out or accuse them of that payola. Yeah. But in my mind, you know, we've, we've always steered clear of the concept of trying to pay people more. Like, hey, if you approve more, we'll pay you more. Because that's incentivizing the wrong thing. Uh, and at the end of the day, you're no longer championing new music because it's the best new music. You're doing it because these people were able to pay the most. So yeah, and for everyone I think watching, Playlist Push like, has good intentions, but it's a different model. Yeah. And for everyone watching, to give more clarity on how they incentivize people to approve more, is they have a point system. You get a certain amount of points just for the number of followers in your playlist. But the more songs you share, the more feedback you get from artists when you share their music, the more points you get. And so if you don't share a lot, you're not getting those extra points and therefore you make less money because they pay you on this point system. So, and it's like, it is like your playlist or like probably 70% of your points, like your followers or, or not. Is, your it, followers, is it followers you know. or listeners? It, it's it's gotta be listeners, it's, right? It's, it's listeners. I don't know how, how they approximate it. I don't know how you guys approximate it either. I can sure. tell you, I'll tell you everything. Oh yeah. I mean, I, honestly, like I <laughs> yeah. would love to know. And also I'm sure everyone would love to know. Because like sure. I, I don't give Playlist Push access to my Spotify for artists, and they know I think even before I share a song, and so it can't be the artist one. And I know you guys will occasionally ask for viewer access and artists just so you can you can audit. But yep, what's the magic? 
What's the magic? Uh, okay, here come the company secrets. Um, so this all stemmed from an interview that Ari Herstand of Ari's Take did back in 2018. Not an interview, but a review. We had just rolled out the whole playlisting side of Submit Hub. He tried it out and his big gripe was that the only metric we were displaying was followers. And sometimes on Submit Hub, curators can ask for a higher price than one credit. So they can ask for one, two, or three. And generally that decision is based on demand. So if someone is highly engaged and sought after, they tend to get a lot more submissions. And so if you raise the price a little bit, then the number of submissions come by and you're sort of balancing supply and demand that way. And we were making these decisions based on how many followers these playlists had. And Ari rightly pointed out that followers are not indicative of engagement. And you can see this across many different platforms, but I think Spotify is one of the more egregious cases of this, especially on, this, on the mm -hmm. playlisting side. So I said to Ari, like, what, what, what am I supposed to do? Spotify doesn't make this information public. There's no way for me to get it. And I was, I was lamenting about this to a friend and she said, well, have you ever checked out Spotify for artists? And I said, yeah, like you visit an artist's page. And she's like, no, no, it's this dashboard that Spotify gives you if you're an artist and you get to see all the information about your playlists and where the streams are coming from and that type of stuff. So she gave me access to, to the band that she managed and I looked at it and I was like, this is the data I need. So I tried to scrape it and I quickly learned that, that like, that's private. You can't get in there. There was no open API. I couldn't do it. And so I came up with the idea of paying artists to export their data from Spotify for artists and then upload it into SubmitHub. And then I just use a little bit of code to take that. Spotify gives it to you as a CSV spreadsheet. So I use mm -hmm. a little bit of code, take that, bring it into SubmitHub, anonymize it so no one can really tell which artist, whatever. I just know which playlist it is. And those formed the early basis of the numbers that defined how much engagement a playlist has. And these numbers are a little bit spotty. It requires, so what happens is about three weeks after a playlist has shared an artist, I reach out and I say, hey, we'll give you some free credits if you upload your data. I think the response rate's about 15 or 20% tops on that. And I also am very pick about which artists I approach. So I, mm. if there's any sort of association with a label, PR firm, or any other curator on SubmitHub, then they're not gonna be approached because there's a potential conflict of interest. Right. And so I'm looking at, at really independent artists who are operating on their own, I reach out to them. Then uh, Spotify used to have under their discovered on section. So if you're an artist and you get into playlists, Spotify will show you which playlists you're on. They used to show how many listeners each playlist was getting that artist in the top five. And so I was able to, I used something called Mechanical Turk I don't know if you've ever heard of that, yeah. but it's a you can pay it's an Amazon like, service, like a certain like a very small amount to go do a small task, essentially, right? Super tiny. I was paying. Uh, I paid seven cents a task in U.S. dollars, and the task was open up this artist and type out their top five playlists. It's like paste the link and how many listeners they got, and so I was able to collect data that way for about a year or two until Spotify got rid of that listeners number, and that made it a lot more difficult. Fortunately, I still have all of that data. And what I can do from it is, I've actually never told anyone this, so here's exclusive access on Andrew's thing. Um, I, can, I, I can look at that historical data, which is about 200, 300,000 data points, and actually determine based on how many listeners an artist has and what position that playlist is in the discovered on, they're gonna be getting a range of roughly this from that playlist. So 
it, it only works really well when it's a small artist. So let's say they've only got 300 listeners and your playlist is position number two and they're discovered on. Based on my historical data, position number two for 300 listener person usually accounts for 21% of listeners. I'm making up these numbers, but then yeah. I can pull a rough approximation and I can look across 20 artists in that playlist to do that. So there's another little piece of info that I can use to provide this. Yeah. And then I've got, I've got even more. I've got more. And, and none of the other guys have this. I, I, I'm convinced that some of them, like Groover and all that, are just getting their numbers by, by copying SubmitHub. I don't know what they're doing. Like, our info is public, so they <laughs> might just That's actually be, a good strategy if you're a new player because it's like where just else? Copy my, it, that's what all the new players do. So, so any new competitor in this space goes through the list of SubmitHub curators and contacts them through that way. Just down the list, find their email. Yeah. Hey, see so you're on SubmitHub. We'll pay you more. Um, and the problem with all those models is, but that requires the artist paying more as well. Um, so that's a different thing. Anyway, back to the Spotify data. Um, we, we signed a deal with one of the major labels in 2019 and they're sharing all of their data with us from Spotify for artists. So we can say, Hey, here's a playlist. Have you got any of your major label artists in here? If you do, how many listeners have they gotten from the last 28 days? So that also feeds into the algorithm. And then about two months ago, one of the top five distributors in the world, hundreds of thousands of tracks, millions of tracks, they gave us access to all their data as well. So we are now, yeah, that one, that one was like, boom, like glorious. Wow. Um, I'm so curious who it is. I don't know if you probably can't share it, right? No, I'm. I'll keep that hush hush for now. And it's yeah, and it's makes you know a lot of it's, it's sort of anonymized. I say. I'm surprised. Like, okay, hey, I was gonna say I'm surprised. Playlist. I wouldn't have to get permission from the artist, but I guess if it's anonymized, there's no risk. Yeah. So so what these guys are doing is you're not saying, hey, tell me all of Andrew's data, like everything. Just give me yeah. everything. It's just like um, these what are the it playlists, is, and these are the. So, so I'll like that. I'll ping him a playlist ID, and I'll be like, hey, have you got any data on this playlist? And then. It just comes back as like, okay, we have three artists who've received this many listeners in the last 28 days. So right. I can feed that information into SubmitHub's algorithms. And when I take all of those data points combined, we get kind of close. It's not yeah. perfect. And, and one of the difficulties there, of course, is capturing the fluctuations that happen. So today, a lot of independent playlisters use the exact same marketing techniques that you give artists. <laughs> yeah to promote their own playlists on Instagram, Facebook, etc. And what will happen is they'll advertise for two or three months, we'll get all this data about their listeners and then they'll stop. And so now suddenly we're showing sort of a, like a look back number, but any yeah. artist who gets shared going forward ends up missing expectations because those numbers are wrong. And this also goes the other way. Let's say you, you, you suddenly increase your spend in advertising. I'm still, I have a look back number. And so people will come and say, hey, you know, you say my playlist only has five or 10 listeners a month, but I'm spending $10 a day and picking up 50 followers a day. Your numbers are wrong. And I'm like, well, kind of. So actually yeah. late last year, I did adjust the formula to, to accommodate uh, growth and try to interpolate a projection based mm. on that. So if I can tell that the advertising has like, or growth has stopped on a playlist, then I will actually tone down the number of listeners projected. Whereas if I can see Makes that the playlist sense. is growing at a faster rate than they used to, then I can sort of project up or give them the benefit of the doubt. So let's say I have five data points and you know three of them are saying it's 80 listeners and two of them are saying it's 30. 
I'll sort of lean towards that benefit of the doubt at a higher number. So there's yeah. there's a lot of stuff that goes into it. God forbid anyone ever look at my code. Um, <laughs> I hate when people make me look at my own code. I'm like, I can't I can't remember what I did. But it's yeah. this constant. I, I, I will say like, that the estimations are decent. Like well, I think what I've noticed in your listener estimations is generally it seems like you kind of lowball it a little bit, which makes sense because you'd rather have artists be pleasantly surprised than disappointed. But like they're totally. pretty, yeah. they're pretty good. Like I would say, like like some of my playlists that you you guys have said, like this one has, you know, uh, thirty to fifty listeners, and this one's got hundred to two hundred. Like I'll look, and I might have like, you know, twenty five percent more than that, which is like, totally fine, right? And like, and, so, and so that might also wonder, be biased like, because your position is higher as well, right? That's true. So I mean, now yeah. what I do is I when I have a playlist with my own music in it, I'll put the songs in a bunch of different positions and then I can track like if I know this song is slot number 30 then I can see how many mm. listeners and streams I get 30 songs in um, well you can just see streams right because Spotify gives you the aggregate number of listeners for all oh, your true. tracks in that playlist yeah. but then they break it down by streams so for the playlist you can get listeners total but you're right for the songs it's only but, but you but you can and 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 the the change as you go down a list if you know if it's got a hundred tracks in it the the plays that the top 10 are getting versus the bottom 10, especially if they're running ads on it, it's yeah. hugely different. And this does happen to be a point of contention that we have with many playlists who feel like we are lowballing them or not appreciating them. Yeah. It's not intentional and it's not a personal thing. Like something I, I, I can sympathize that sometimes it does feel personal, like SubmitHub is constantly pounding my numbers and making me look bad, but it, it it's kind of all over the place and your friend who you put a position number one who shared their data is not a good indication necessarily of what yeah. other artists are experiencing so i wish spotify just gave us this data i feel like they would solve yeah. so much in the way of fake playlisting and problems like that but as it stands they don't i don't think they have plans to um, i wish you would just be there as followers on every playlist and the monthly listeners and then it, that would just be like the fake stuff. I mean, it wouldn't fix all the fakery, but it would fix a good chunk of it, right? Month. So monthly listeners and also um, percentage of premium. So yeah, this this label partner that we have actually gives us a breakdown of premium percentage of listeners, which is kind of cool. I so know the orchard see if gives, gives their artists that too. Like, I, I someone yeah. gave me access to their orchard account to to spy on, or not to spy on, but to, like to show me the cool features it has to do research. And, and like, I noticed yeah. like it breaks down free and premium. It also gives you skip rate, which Spotify for artists doesn't show. It also gives you, um, passive versus active listener numbers too. Broken Whoa, down. that would be cool too. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, did someone click on the song or did they get record? And you can kind of figure that out through, through some of it through Spotify for artists, but, um, not entirely. And so the, the orchard gives artists a lot of that and, um, which is awesome. Right. And so, that would be cool. Yeah. I mean, I wish they just gave that to every artist. And I wish they made the Spotify for artists just have an API because... It does have an API. It's just very difficult to get access to. You have to yeah. run a distribution company. And, I guess that makes and, sense because that's probably how the Orchard yeah. integrates with it. And how yeah. the distro yeah. kid can stats it's a super secret api i have tried numerous ways to get into <laughs> it um even through the distributor they basically added me as a member of their company and spotify was like hold on a second and and so yeah they're pretty tight-lipped about it but i i wish they would try to solve this it it 
you know, one thing I think people miss on Submit Hub is the amount of effort we put into trying to keep them safe. Yeah. But I cannot sit here and tell you with 100% confidence that it is safe because I do not have access to all that amazing data that Spotify could be making public. So right. we, we, we've got tons of scripts in place to try and catch bad behavior. So let's say a playlist grows substantially overnight. It's on our desk by the time we wake up. We've got them suspended almost immediately until we can get proof of why they grew. Oftentimes, and this, this actually really sucks now, there are more and more malicious playlist attacks going on from competitors. So for artists who don't know, playlisting is super competitive and keyword targeting is usually competitive as well. And let's say you're trying to target a keyword like death metal and your playlist shows up at number five. What you can actually do is just report all the other playlists for um, offensive content and Spotify will automatically take them down without actually doing any sort of review. They yeah. get taken down instantly, no questions asked, and yours suddenly becomes number one. And so this has become a huge problem on Spotify. Uh, and, and it's gone further where some of these actors will actually pump a playlist full of fake followers or fake listeners in an attempt to get them tarnished and taken off. So yeah. <laughs> we, we've, got, we've got tons of scripts and, and things running in the background to try and identify and catch these sort of issues. And I think we do pretty well. It doesn't happen often, fortunately. And a lot of that is because of the screening techniques that we, we put in place to try and, you know, I think yeah. of, the, of the 20 or 30 applications we get per day for playlists, about 15% of them get let on. So we're doing some pretty intense screening, not just for engagement, but how you grew, um, whether you're selling placement. So Payola, of course, many of your listeners will know is a huge no-no in the Spotify world. And so that's one of the things that we're gonna check when a playlist tries to join, is yeah. we wanna make sure that they're not doing a coffee or a donate or, a, hey, <laughs> you know, your $17 submission helps us with our advertising. It, like, yeah. Those types of things we just wanna steer clear of. Um, and I think coming back to the competitor question, especially with platforms like Groover, I know for a fact that because they're in such a rapid growth phase and because they don't have as much information, they're letting a lot of shady playlisters that we have either rejected or kicked off join their platform. Uh, that makes and, sense. And, I would and imagine as an artist, that there's, yeah. there's probably very, because they don't have access to the data you do and they, they have to be a business, right? So they don't have the luxury of being able to be as picky as you guys. With who you let on. Correct. And, and I, I did an interview with Dorian from Groover. Um, I don't know if you know him or anyone over there. But. I did. I did watch it. I think I think they've got the best. I remember it, it looked like it was recorded on a potato. Um, <laughs> yeah, but I think, it did. That was, I mean, that was my bad. He kept not, making fun of himself. That was not Dorian's fault. That was, he, was oh, like, he was super concerned about it. I was like, it'll be fine. Yeah. No one's going to care about the quality. Let's just do the call. And but you know he he actually had a lot of um, he's a good guy admiration for he's, Submit Hub and you and he, he's he was like you know Submit Hub kind of like paved the way for like what this could be and he's like a groover like we're kind of a competitor but in a way they're kind of focused more on like developing in specific markets and they have some extra features which are cool. Now that being said, um, all the problems that you just outlined very likely. That makes total sense why it would yeah. be a problem. Over it's, it's the growing pains they're going to have. And, and one of the often artists will come and say, you know, Submit Hub sucks, Groove is way better. 80% uh, yeah. of the people there approved and shared me. And I'm, I kind of like, that's, that's actually something we view as a problem. 
If a curator is approving 80% of their submissions, it means that they're not really curating anymore and they're probably spreading themselves too thin. There, yeah. are, there are rare exceptions where it's okay. Um, there's a guy, uh, Jerry Spoon from Unique Playlists, has something like 50 highly engaged playlists across many different genres and it's his full-time job. So he's like pumping ads into them all the time. So there are exceptions of curators who can genuinely share a lot of content and get good engagement and do it legitimately. Yeah. Um, you'll find Jerry on every single submission platform. He's basically just got his fingers in every pie he can. And he provides a lot of very useful feedback to me uh, about ways that I can improve the platform to match features that other people are, are putting out there. So it's, it's difficult. I think, I think we should probably put more emphasis on, on how much work goes into curating the curators, if you will. Right. And, and if you... You, you get to see the bloggers chat room. Mean, I don't know yeah, yeah. how much you actually look at it, but... It's fun, I, honestly. Like I, it's, it's fun seeing... Yeah. I, sometimes, so like when I do a one-on-one call with an artist, if, if they like, you know, complain about Submit Hub or really any type of curator thing, um, I'll kind of just like... One of the ways I'll explain to them how it is on the other side as a curator is just by kind of just like reading a couple chats in the, the bloggers chat. Because I'll mention, because like they're thinking, oh, these evil bloggers, these evil curators. And then I'm like, honestly, like, I see why you would think that, because it's us versus them mentality. But I'm like, you know, I'll kind of look at the chat, and there'll be someone, and I, I don't have it open right now. There it is. Um, and I'll just be like, it's just a bunch of people in here, just like that own playlist, just trying to get people to listen to them and trying to, like, get artists heard. And, and, like, I'll yep. mention that, like, you know, Jason's in there, like, multiple times per day. And people are just shooting the shit. Like, these are real people running their own business, and it may, they have to make it make sense for them, too. And yeah. the bloggers chat yeah, is kind shooting of... Shooting the, the shit or shitting on me, too, sometimes. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, and, like, all the curators, yeah. like, it's not like there's anyone in here being like, um, oh, how do we get the most money from artists, you know? It's, it's more so, like, I've seen... A lot of people saying like how do i make it so the artists that are pitching to me aren't wasting their money and i'm getting the right music and they'll ask you or they'll recommend something to you and you'll be like oh i don't know if we could do that but maybe we could do this and then everyone will be like no jason that's a bad idea let's do this and you're like oh cool okay i'll go try to make that happen you know and it's um 24 hours later it's in place it's it's that's actually also one of the differences that is a nice thing about the platform of how fast changes happen um, yeah. So like, like literally, um, you're look, right. I, I, I wish it was that perfect. I, I, I this is again where the, where I can't say with a hundred percent confidence that you will never encounter a fake playlist on Submit Hub. We yeah. can be tricked. People have tricked us before. It it sucks, and we definitely gain nothing by exposing artists to that risk. Yeah. But the similar comparison can be drawn on the curator side where the majority of them do have good intentions in mind, but there are yeah. definitely those who literally created their playlist because they heard they could make money <laughs> pushing people. Uh, and they're often quite easy to spot. Uh, they, they apply Like we have a, a, a minimum threshold of 1,000 followers on a playlist to apply. It's not that that's just the minimum. From there, there's a lot more metrics we look at. But many of those 80% of applications who are rejected, you can tell they literally just hit that 1,000 today. Like that was it. <laughs> they spent their money on their ads to hit 1,000 and now they're done. And there's, there's actually a few guys out there. There's one in, in Ukraine and one in El Salvador. Uh, and they're basically, oh, and one in Italy. They, their service is that they will help you set up your playlist, 
get to a thousand followers so that you can apply to join Submit Hub. That's, that's their angle. Um, wow. And so, and we know exactly who these guys are and all the shenanigans that they're you've, up to. You've created entire but, black markets, Jason. How do you feel about that? Kind, kind, well, I mean, they're, they're <laughs> transparently out there. But so, so you can tell when people are, are doing it because they genuinely are passionate about music. There's usually yeah. more of a history there, some background. They've been doing it for years and you can tell the ones who literally heard that they could make some money playlisting and so they threw together a playlist um i, I do know so some people who like they've grown their playlist legitimately with with ads and then they apply to submit hub and i'll talk to them and they'll be like yeah, i've gotten been rejected from submit hub like two or three times you know why and i'm like honestly like they probably just have so many people applying so they're just like prioritizing people who have like not just the minimum threshold people who have more maybe have been around for a couple of years because like if you have a thousand, I can, I can apply, if you're if you're listening out there and you're thinking about it. I mean, I can give you some clues into what we are looking for today. One of the most important factors here is the nicheness of your playlist. So I'm a big believer in. <laughs> I almost want to say I'm a disbeliever in the power of Spotify, but at the same time, I think it can be leveraged the right way. So the wrong way to look at independent playlists is, oh, I'm going to get in here. And I'm going to blow up and I'm going to get a bunch of listeners and I'm going to get my money back from it. That's the wrong way to do it. And that's, that's a similar thing to the advertising, right? Your, your ROI doesn't come straight away. You often end up spending a lot more money than you get back in royalties. But you're looking for that, that tail and how you can really integrate yourself into Spotify's algorithms. Teach Spotify where to show your song, who to associate it with. And so the big kick we've been on lately is this, this nicheness and specificity of a playlist, how consistent are they in their coverage? And, and so one of the things we're looking for when people apply is that their playlist is not a broad focus or mix of genres. Mm. And, and sometimes there are genuinely good playlists that are, that are like all over the place in genre, right? They still have a theme of cohesion, but algorithmically, Spotify could give two shits about that. What, what you're kind of like, Maybe the save rates are great, right? And the people listening to that playlist are engaged with it. But by and large, you're more likely to have listener retention and higher save rates if the focus of the playlist is consistent. So if I jump into a playlist because it's got Bonobo in it and I love down-tempo electronic music and the next song is a rap song followed by a metal song, I'm going to skip those songs and bounce from the playlist. So if you are applying to join Submit Hub, one of the things that will help your application is if your playlists have some sort of cohesive focus on a genre. Uh, and, and in a way, we are, we are pushing like this sort of pushing people into little tunnels and slots. And maybe that's a bad thing. I don't know. But, but my, my genuine belief here is that one of the, the best strategies you can use from a playlisting standpoint is to try and leverage it to teach Spotify's algorithm so that so that the next time you release a song, they go, oh, cool, here's a new song from you. We know exactly who to show this to. And when they do show it to those people, it actually gets engaged with. Because the last thing you want is to finally teach Spotify's algorithm and you taught it wrong. And then they do show your song to the wrong people and they all skip it and it just dies. So that, that bubbling up today also plays a big factor in editorial playlists, which is sort of the holy grail of Spotify, and we we can discuss whether those are even good because mm. sometimes they're they're self defeating. Like you, you, the idea is that you you teach Spotify where your algorithm belongs, 
they start amplifying your song on all these different radio stations and playlists and discover weekly type of stuff and it performs well and it gets good save rates and suddenly it bubbles up onto the Spotify editorial team's list and they put it into this broad road trip playlist and all your work just unravels and then they remove it after a month. So it like it can backfire, but I think it's a, it's a long shot to break out in the first place today. It, yeah. uh, but that, that is, I think, a strategy that any artist can actually employ to try and get a little bit more of that long tail that, that you speak a lot about in your videos of, you know, like a month on, the song's still getting traction. You stopped ads a year ago and like, here's the blip yeah. every so-and-so. So, yeah. um, anyway, that's a good point. if you're applying as a playlister, that's, that's what we're thinking about. That's a good point with the broad playlist. And you messaged me when I did that Moonstride Media review about like the types of playlists they have, which which is a good point. Like there's a big distinction with like, is like the whole their whole thing is like they're growing these playlists organically with keywords and the whole competing thing SEO, and like it makes sense why a playlist that's called like songs for white people would have good SEO, right? Because like how many people are just right. like. Songs for white people, songs for white folks, white people music, right? I have to imagine yeah. that makes sense why that'd be popular to search. I, I look for that all the time. <laughs> and then, you know, just because it's it's like, it's funny and and whatever, right? And so, like, well, that's one of the playlists that my songs was added to. It was called, like, Songs for White Folks. Um, it was a very broad playlist. My song fit in there because my song was, like, electronic pop. Everything in there was generally pop music, generally electronic, but it wasn't, like laser focused like how on how you might grow playlists with ads like like one of the playlists that i have on Smithub is cyberpunk synthwave right it's like super niche and the ads in that are yeah. super easy actually because i just target people who like a bunch of cyberpunk stuff narrowed by a bunch of synthwave stuff and it's a completely different approach to, to growing a playlist than what what moonstrive does but not many people are probably searching for cyberpunk synthwave you know yeah. Um, and, and you can take this exact same approach as an artist using the ads that you're running. So this gets back to the point you made at the very beginning of, you know, spend 800 of your budget targeting ads and 150 on YouTube and 50 on Submit Hub because those Submit Hub victor victories, let's call them, if, if you get, you know, you submit to 50 people and 10 or 15 of them say yes, the, the cost per conversion or engagement might actually end up working out a lot less than your ads, but the yeah. ads are guaranteed. Um, and, and I think... This is why, in general, ads have a much more positive perception than SubmitHub does. Is because Facebook doesn't say no; <laughs> like they will, yeah. they will charge you when it when it happens. And so, if something's gonna happen, you definitely got something for it. And and so that rejection part of it isn't as present. But I, I do think a healthy balance of it can come. And as as you pointed out in your playlist, push review against SubmitHub. I think sort of the cost per listener. Correct me if I'm wrong here, but probably works out to less than the, the, the clicks of conversions for Instagram. So the, the balance of the two can be used in a similar way. The difference is that on SubmitHub, you're limited with how many people you can reach. Like if you're in a niche genre and you're focusing on those who only focus on it, you might only have 10 or 15 options to choose from. Whereas with Instagram ads, you can bump up a thousand direct clicks. So yeah. I, I, I just advocate in general, a multi-pronged approach to marketing. You really have to tackle it from as many angles as possible. And, and I mean, people have asked for like success cases with SubmitHub, like name one artist who's blown up because of SubmitHub. And I, I feel like I cannot honestly say that because 
Submit Hub by itself cannot blow up an artist. It has to, it has to be that perfect storm of everything of like being a super interesting artist, making really amazing music. Your Submit Hub campaign got the ball rolling, but then you got picked up here, 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 and you did this and you played this performance and so-and-so noticed you. And then like this label came knocking and then this radio station played. It's like, it doesn't work. It's honestly the same that way. with when people ask me like, you know, name, name a person who is blown up because of running Facebook ads for Martin Music. And it's like, I, I know some people who like, essentially they only did Facebook ads and they got a couple hundred thousand monthly listeners, stable, and they, they've grown their audience and they've, they've kind of turned it into their full-time thing. But like, that's rare. And also a lot of people wouldn't define that as blowing up. And, exactly, and yeah. so like, I do know people who have like, you know, half a million monthly listeners, stable they've had it for years I, i've worked with artists who have like th over three million or multiple artists with multiple millions of monthly listeners but it's not like the ads by themselves got them there some of them the ads were a recent thing and some of them ads were an important part of what they did um but usually it's like for those people with like millions it's like they had ads they they tour they, they do the playlist thing they're doing the pr they're they're like making awesome music on a regular basis. They have awesome That's, social it's, media. It's still content. the awesome music. They're like the top one percent of awesome music has to be. Yeah, yeah, um, it is. Like you know, and and so it's. I think the the case I'm in when people ask for like name one artist who blew up using Facebook ads. It's like well, like every for the most part, every artist is using ads, and so it's like it's just. But the, no, no one really only uses ads. Like if you're only doing ads or you're only doing submit hub you're probably never going to blow up, right? <laughs> because it's never one thing that blows you up. You know? Right, right. Yeah, in the, in the early days of Submit Hub, there was a band called um, Men I Trust, and they used it heavily to push their music. They are currently sitting at, uh, how many monthly listeners? 6.3 million monthly listeners. And I used to use them as an example of, of a band. So that there's a, Men a I trio trust, from Men I Trust. They're from Montreal. Uh, and I used to chat to them a lot and help them through their Submit Hub campaigns and they used it. But I would be joking myself if I or lying to myself, joking myself, I don't know. But <laughs> I, I cannot honestly say that they blew up because of Submit Hub. They used Submit Hub early on, but these guys were going to blow up no matter what. They've got a really cool, unique, lo-fi rock ethos. They just have such a fan attraction in general to what they do that regardless of whether they'd use Submit Hub or Instagram ads or whatever, like it would have happened. Um, yeah. So yeah, it, it doesn't really work that way. It's, it's more just, it's, it's, it, it, if you're beginning as an artist, you've got to try get that snowball sort of started somewhere. Uh, and, and so Submit Hub is simply one of the tools that you can use. It's not perfect. Five minutes on the internet searching for how terrible Submit Hub is will like have you steering clear of it. It's yeah. this confirmation bias. I myself fall prey to occasionally like, searching Twitter for people talking about Submit Hub. And it, oh, God. It's, 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 yeah, don't, I, that, well, do whatever, do it. Um, yeah. That, that it's must difficult. Be the most, you have to come into it. Yeah. I can imagine, like, you know, every so often I'll have a video kind of pop off or whatever. And you know, you know how the internet is. You'll just get mean comments. And, like, you know, I'll just, like, open up, look at my comments. Like, I had a video blow up, like, six months ago. Like, it did, like, exceptionally well. And I was getting all this like new audience that I've never seen. And like every so often I'd log in and there would just be someone who'd be like, like your glasses suck or like, you know, um, why don't you go to the gym fatty or something? And it's like, but 
what the hell, man? You know, it's like, so I'm, I'm guessing, and like, of course, if I, I'm sure if I were to look up myself online for people who have used, you know, used my courses, I'm sure that, like, most people, and I've seen people defend me online to other people, but I'm sure there's some people just shitting on me, right? And as a music artist, is if you gain popularity, you're, you're going to have that happen too. And Kanye West. Everyone shits on Kanye, but it's it's kind of like, you know, people forget that when they shit on Submit Hub online, like it, criticism's good, of course, but like, you know, it's at the end of the day, it's like essentially one guy trying to make a platform that works for both sides of an economy and you have feelings too, <laughs> you know, so. Yeah, look, look, it, it does stress me out and, and I, my God bless my wife, she, she listens to it a lot and, and Dylan too on my team has always been there as a shoulder to cry on. Um, it, it, I've learned a lot from it, right? Yeah. I am, I, in, I don't want to say it's the same as being an artist and having your music rejected, but I have to treat it that way. And yeah. so what I look for from it are ways to improve the platform. So today, I, I, I use it as a tool to identify the shortcomings of SubmitHub. And when I start to see consistent complaints and consistent trends come up, then we want to take action on it. So I'll give you an example of a trend that was very common. Um, people would often complain that they would submit to a playlister who cost three credits. And then they, they would do that because the playlister has a ginormous playlist getting thousands of listeners. And then that playlister would share them on one of their secondary or tertiary playlists that only gets 10 listeners. Mm. And so those people would feel misled, basically, hey, even when you do get approved on SubmitHub, all the playlisters are crap. And, and so that became a big thing for me of, well, that, you know, that wasn't my intention. And initially, I, I went off to the curators. I was like, dude, what the hell? You're on here for your big playlist. Stop sharing to your little one. Um, yeah. The solution, which, which I worked on a lot last year, was to try and look at the way that curators share different genres and, and the different places that they do and make that information more upfront and, and readily available. So today, when you filter by genre A, cur curator that you're looking at might have a completely different set of metrics for genre B. Um, so their genre match score, their engagement score, how many listeners, all that type of stuff will vary based on genre. And what that's actually done over the last few months is almost completely eliminated that complaint. The complaint of, yeah. of hey, my expectations are totally misaligned here. Um, I'm guessing the, the by feature far the you biggest added, one is the feed. Um, last year was probably, I forget what you call it, but you have like share, reject, and then there's the one in the middle that's like shout out, right? Shout out feature. And, yep. And I think yep. that, shout one, out. that one, I would imagine, probably solves that a lot because if a big curator, it's like, you know, they have if they're doing a shout out, they have to still give feedback on why they're not sharing it to the playlist. And so it's like, you know, this song just doesn't work yeah. in this playlist, so we're gonna put it to our little one. That that shout out feature has 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 been a, has a been lot canned. of pain. Um, <laughs> in some ways, it has. So so the problem was that shout outs used to be excluded from your statistics, sort of. So let's say you had uh, uh, three playlists and you only did big proper shares to your big playlist and everything else was this shout out, which the idea of a shout out was like, it's not good enough for my big playlist, I'm putting it on my little one. The problem we had is that people would share 30% of their songs to the shout out playlist and less than 1% to their main one, but we would still be conveying their reach and their influence and their impact based on the big one. Mm -hmm. So the, the major change that I made sort of midway through last year was that shout outs actually count towards your statistics now so 
If you are sharing 30% of the time to your tiny playlist and only 1% to the big one, that is going to get weighted out and your mm. engagement that gets communicated to artists is going to be pretty low. And, and that, has the, that has two effects, um, three effects. It sets artist expectations in a better place. It results in a lot of curator complaints that we are unfairly showing their profile and making them look bad. And then the third thing it does is it encourages those curators to actually turn things around and either grow that small playlist or start sharing to their big one again. Uh, and, yeah. and, you know, this is, one of the, this is one of the difficulties of being open and transparent is that often that bloggers chat room that we have turns into like, a, dude, you're killing me in public. <laughs> and then like three or four more people will pile on and be like, yeah, this is unfair. I agree too. And then I have to try talk it off and alleviate it and try to get it. So th this actually happened a couple days ago where um, the engagement score is now basically gone for all curators. You cannot see your overall engagement score. And the reason is because it actually varies so much by genre, mm. especially for playlisters with multiple playlists. So trying to like average out, hey, this is, you know, you're a 10 out of 10 on here and a five out of five on here. So on average, you're 7.5. It doesn't work. It's not the right way to look at it. So. That change, even if, if you were to go in the bloggers chat right now and scroll up through the last 24 hours, you'll see people complaining about it, people arguing for it, people not getting it. Like why someone was yeah. even like, hey, Jason, I found a bug in your code. My score is gone. And I was like, <laughs> nope, <laughs> it's not a bug. Um, yeah. So, yeah, there's, there's this, this constant balance. And a lot of that is learning from the, the negative feedback that, that surfaces online. And, and if you can't... <sighs> I don't, I don't think it's possible to not let it get you down. Like it's easy for us to say to artists, you know, don't worry about that 98 of 100 who don't enjoy you focus on the two. Yeah. I think our human nature is to, to look at that, that 98 out of 100 and really dwell on it. So for me, yeah. you know, when, when these conversations happen on Reddit, the big one right now that's, that's getting me down and has for years is feedback. No, like, no matter how much effort we put into trying to coach curators to give better feedback, someone still comes along and says, Hey, sorry, I don't like your genre. And I'm like, that what why are you even taking this genre? And why did you take <laughs> their money for telling them that? Um Yeah, it's and by it's the way, a, if you're an artist and that happens, we will refund you if you bring that up. We regularly do. And and we don't actually take it away from the curator, we just pay it out of our own pocket. But there that's a people story. often complain to me about their feedback, and I'll kind of explain it from from like my perspective when I'm listening to someone's music, like sometimes. There's nothing wrong with the song. Like, everything's well done. It's well written, well produced, whatever. Um, it's just like you listen to it and it just, doesn't, it just doesn't have it, right? It just doesn't, for whatever reason, the hook just doesn't appeal to you. And so, like, often I think the default feedback is, you know, honestly, the song sounded well done. It just didn't stand out to me. Or it just doesn't feel like it fits in my playlist. And I think that's the feedback that a lot of artists are complaining about. Um, that is exactly but sometimes right, yeah. that's the only thing you can say because it's if there's nothing wrong with it it's just like i think this song is great it's just like it's just not for me and i don't even know sometimes i don't even know what else to say right <laughs> yeah um, in those cases i i actually refund often mm. as a curator um other people have a different mindset okay I, you just got me to listen to a minute and a half of your song that i didn't enjoy so i'm entitled to this money and um, yeah. anyway, it, it's, it's one of the, the struggles that we have. I don't have a great solution. 
today we joked about using chat GPT to give all the responses, but then that just, <laughs> that just <laughs> fulfills the accusation that I occasionally see of people being like, yo, submit up curators are fake. It's just Jason coded a bunch of bots that respond with it. Yeah, I, I can um, confirm natural language that uh, curators in the back end do have to actually listen for that, that 20 second threshold or 90 second. If it's like, it will not let you reject it or accept it and will not really reject it until you hit that. And you cannot, if you try to copy and paste, I'm sure there's a way to work around the code and force it to, but like by default, you cannot copy and paste feedback. The Correct. Way, so so, so the, the, the input has copy pasting disabled, um, but then there's, there's actually secondary checks that go on. So mm -hmm. if you do manage to get past that, or you literally just type the same thing, or you type something similar, um, my code takes a look at your last 50 feedbacks. And if there's any one of those that has a 90% match to your current feedback, it gets rejected and you have to uh, rewrite your feedback. So the, the copy pasted thing is actually really rare. The biggest complaint tends to be around vagueness of feedback uh, and, and over positivity. So a lot of curators come in and be like, I, man, epic drum solo, really love the vocals on this, but I'm just not connecting with it. Yeah. And they're like, well, if you thought it was so epic and you loved it, why are you declining it? And, and, and I think it's exactly your point of sometimes you just don't like a song and, and, for a music blogger, it's often easier to put that into words. But for these Spotify playlists, many of them have never really written. Yeah. It's, it's just difficult to describe, like, why don't you like a song? Um, right. The other one that always pisses people off is when you're like, the mix isn't that. Just struggling to get into the mix. Yeah. And, and then they're like, no, dude, a Grammy person mixed this. What's wrong with it? <laughs> I, I, so I, honestly, I, like, I mean, what I tell artists to do. I hear it all. I see it all. Yeah. I tell people to ask for feedback that they want specific and honest feedback, but I tell them to generally just never read it because like one, they'll, they're going to get sad uh, because it can be brutal to hear feedback on your song. And then two, you will see contradictory feedback. Like you'll have people that are, um, oh, I love the, the mix in this was phenomenal. The production was great. Instrumental was great. Hated the vocals. And then you'll, the next one will literally be like the opposite. Like I freaking love the vocals. The mix sucked. And it's, you know, a part of it is that it's just opinions, right? And, you know, what, what yeah. sounds good to one person doesn't to another. And I think another is, like, when people don't know how to communicate what a song is, like, they're just like, oh, I don't like it. I don't like the voice, so therefore the vocals suck. Or I don't, I don't, I don't like the instrumental, so that must mean the mix and the master sucks. And then the artist is reading this feedback, and they're like... Like, you know, they're trying to actually decipher it as if it was written by a music professional. But in reality, sometimes yeah. it's just written by like a 19 year old who's living in his mom's basement who happens to have a really popular playlist. You know, in some right, cases, right, right. in some so cases, it's a mediocre it's, playlist. In some cases, it's actually music. I've gotten some awesome feedback on Submit Hub that's like super detailed, but it's a mixed bag because, it's, you know, it's the platform, right? It's whoever you pitch to. We, we try to warn you now. I mean, we, we do a much better job of displaying upfront which curators give good feedback and which ones don't. And, and as of last week, you always used to be able to click in the options on the top right of a curator listing and view their feedback. As of last week, that's actually in line. So if you see a note that says this curator, you know, users tend to rate their feedback above average, there'll be a button right there for you to click on and read their feedback. Anonymized, you don't know who it's for. Well, there are rare exceptions where they go, hey, band name, thanks for sending your song this. And you're like, okay, well, that's not anonymous anymore. But um, generally, you can actually preview that feedback up front. And so, again, this is in line with trying to set expectations. Yeah. Um, another move I did 
earlier this week, which we we're not sure is going to be a good move or not. But when you're reading your feedback right below it, I actually show that curator's ratings. So here's their feedback. Just so you know, everyone else thinks their feedback sucks too. <laughs> that's that's a good uh, idea, actually. Yeah, because I, I, I just yeah, pulled well, some open in another tab and just like submitting a random song. And you know, users consistently rate their feedback above above average for one person. Um, and then in this next person, users have described their feedback as as vague, and users rate and you, as and below you can, average. Um, and you, you should see a learn more button next to yeah, view more. It's like a little gray text. I'll, I'll pull view that. More. I'll pull that over your face so people. I just have it embedded in the video, but like on SubmitHub, oh. you know, um, you can literally just look at all this playlist I'm looking at is check five sound. And this is all the feedback they've gotten. And they're apparently they give really bad feedback. So sorry, check five sound. You've, you've actually approved <laughs> one of my songs before. So thank you. But uh, apparently your feedback sucks. <laughs> so, um, but like, you know, I mean, honestly, like that doesn't mean their playlists are bad either. Like they might have awesome no, no, no. playlists. They it's, just might... it's just to set expectations up front. Like they might have really consistent playlists that match exactly the genre you want. Great listeners yeah. and a good approval rate, but their feedback sucks. Yeah. But hey, good news is that they're probably going to improve you, so you don't even have to deal with their feedback. Um, yeah. One of the other steps that I think will help here that I'm I'm currently working on in the background is, if you submit a song on SubmitHub right now, what happens is that every time a curator responds, you get an email. Boom, 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 boom. If 80% of those are rejections, ah, you're going to focus on that. So what I'm planning to do is actually kind of combine these into more of a digest. Mm. So that rather than getting boom, 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 it'd be like, hey, in the last 24 hours, you've gotten three approvals and seven rejections. And and like front load yeah. those approvals. It would so be cool you're, you're if, kind of reading. if like almost you could have it every time they get approved, they get an email. But if they're getting rejected, that comes in a daily digest. So that way it's like they're excited when they see a, an email from SubmitHub, except yeah. for the daily digest, which like, well, in the daily one, you could summarize, here's all the approvals again, and then here's the rejection. So maybe it like, yeah. it's not like every time they get an email from SubmitHub, it's like, oh, this feedback, it's killing me. <sighs> and then they start associating yeah. that negative feedback with like, with SubmitHub, you know, even though it's not you, it's the curator. Um I don't know that to me, I feel like if every time I get an email, that was an acceptance, I would kind of be like better. kind of positive feedback yeah. loop of like emails from submit hub are a good thing, not a bad thing, <laughs> which is definitely not the current feedback loop. So, so yeah. that is another example of something that, that I'm trying to, trying to work through. So I've actually got the digest code running in the background, but I haven't, I haven't, it needs another day or two of code for me to actually make it work yeah well, that's awesome that sounds like a good feature um one thing i wrote down to ask you about is um you guys have submit hub links now which you've had for actually quite yeah. a while um but i noticed yeah. that you can actually set up a custom domain on them now yep which is really cool because i mean the whole ios 14 thing was a nightmare and now it's like not a requirement it's just recommended but it's cool that like um and i haven't played around too much with it but it looks like it's pretty customizable. And essentially, if you're looking for something like Toneden, Hypedit, FeatureFM, um, you know, SubmitHub has an alternative that's also free. And um, you, can, you can use it for your ads, essentially. It's, it's about 100 times faster. So that was actually the... So, so there were two reasons I created it. Number one, um, those websites are bloated. When you load one of those landing pages, 
it's yeah. often 10 megabytes plus of various SDKs, JavaScript libraries, image assets, everything loading, a million different trackers. Some of these are good things, but I hate that stuff. Uh, and if someone's running an ad blocker and they happen to see your ad somehow and click on it, all that stuff is gonna get squashed and won't work. So for example, I actually have on my um, home network, I've got a Raspberry Pi and I run a Pi hole ad server on it and all of our network traffic that goes through it gets rejected if it's an ad. So if I landed on a toned in landing page and I clicked on this, all those trackers wouldn't work and nothing would actually go through properly there. Yeah. Um, in fact, those links might not even, I would click on it and it wouldn't work. So thing number one with Submit Hub links is it's six kilobytes. It's two requests, one for the HTML and one for the image. So you're just grabbing it. the image from, you're grabbing the image from Spotify or is it stored locally? No, you Spotify? upload your own image. Yeah, you oh, can right. upload your own. Um, I will default use the, the playlist image if you don't want to. Just, just pull it from the API and be like, cool, do you want this or do you want to replace it? But um, ultimately the, the, the main thing I was going for was can I write the smallest, most compact piece of HTML to deliver a customizable thing that loads like that? Yeah. yeah. So that's the one thing it offers. And, and the downside is that there are fewer things you can put in there for tracking and bloating, but you can get your view content and your page view. Uh, yeah, I so think you, I coded you can it custom, so you can put custom events. Yeah, the custom events thing yeah. is something I've, I've kind of learned recently. I, I was talking, I don't know if you know Hyped It, the guy behind that, John Gold, but um, I was talking with him um, recently, and, and we were talking about how, like, on Tone Den, when you use the view content event, like, Facebook kind of has a preconceived notion of what view content means. Whereas if you give them a custom event, they have zero preconceived notions, and so you're kind of training it from scratch. And so I was pleasantly surprised when I looked and saw you could just go in the submit hub link and then just like type in event and make it whatever you want. Like it doesn't have to be a standard event, right? Yeah. You could just type in like like um, potato or whatever, and it'll fire a potato. I believe it's anything you want. Yeah. I, I have to give this all of a caveat that like I. I learned all of this in, in about 24 hours, coded it, and I haven't looked at it since. Yeah. So <laughs> that's the caveat, but it works. Yeah. Um, the second thing it does help with is that we can actually tell when a playlister is using it and we have access to that data. So we can reflect that mm. on Submit Hub and say, hey, this playlister is using ads. Here's how many views they're getting. Uh, and it's, it's viewed as like a sort of positive check mark next to their playlist. So okay. um, that's the second advantage to it. We don't, we don't require anyone to use it. We're not trying to push people towards it. We don't have any incentive to use it. It's there, it works. Um, but the, the bottom line is that, that the whole idea is that it's a really low resource, super fast, effective way of doing landing pages. Can, can at the end of the day, I don't... See, kind of. Yeah, well, I, I actually have it on my to-do list. I added this two days ago. Someone just said, can I just put a different link in besides a playlist. Right now it's just set up for playlists. Mm. I think it would take me about 10 minutes of code to change it. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And I, and I probably be, will. That'd be cool because like, I mean, like obviously there's Tone Den, but a lot of people ask me, can I use District at Hyperfollow? And I'll be like, well, you can't do a custom domain on it. So like, yes, but kind of no. And um, so it'd be cool just be, be like, you know, if you're looking for a free thing. If you don't, if you don't like Tone Den for whatever reason, it's like, well, now there's, you can use submit type links. It's another free option to recommend. So, um, yeah, whenever you whenever you spruce it up a little bit, let me know <laughs> so I can check it yeah, out yeah, and, yeah. and see how it works. Because like, the page speed matters. Like, that's one nice thing about Feature FM 
Feature FM is super expensive, but that's like one of the nice features they give you aside from the analytics is like on a Google PageSpeed Insights, it scores a 98, whereas ToneDen is like a 50 and hyped it's like a 20. Yeah, I think I think mine I think I was gunning for 100. I think I got it at the time. Yeah. Um and it it doesn't always make a huge difference, but like it it matters, yeah. right? It totally matters. Yeah. It depends on where you're targeting as well, right? In the states, yeah. probably not as big a difference. People have faster connections. Other countries maybe it's slower. So, yeah. um speed is was a huge reason behind doing that. Um and I think it's one of the strengths of it. So, uh, and, and, it, and you do still actually get um, analytics about what countries the clicks are coming from. Hmm. I'm trying to remember what else I have in there. Might just be countries. I think I have it open. Um, um, add a yeah, link. I think it gives you countries. You can do a landing page or you can do a redirect. And um, yep. actually, I don't have a link created, so I can't see any analytics. But um, no. you can um, customize the call to action button, give a description. You can have a custom URL. Um, and the redirect, is that, does that deep link to the Spotify app? Um, it depends if you put the question marky type thing at the end of your Spotify URL. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I believe once you do put that question marky thing, <laughs> then it deep links. And so I, but if you don't, then it opens it up in a web browser. So you guys don't so, manually do the deep link, you just use Spotify. As no, I, well, I, I think I coded it to give you an option to automatically add one. Basically, when you paste in your URL, I say, hey, you don't have a deep link. Do you want one or not? Um, and then I will actually, you can add anything you want after that question mark. Uh, really? By default, when you copy a link, yeah. I thought it was customized per link. I didn't think it actually. No, I think the customized part, double check, almost every link you pull up is probably gonna have the same ending and I think it's your unique user ID. Interesting, I've never noticed that. I, I'm just, I'm spitballing here, but I'm pretty sure that you could literally type question mark equals submit hub and <laughs> it's fine. Like it's still yeah, gonna yeah. deep link. Well, either way, that's, um, that's, a, that's a cool feature that, um, you know, if, if you go in and flesh it out for artists, I think that'd be cool. I mean, honestly, so, even so there's, for and there's, a, cool. there's an ads chat room on Submit Hub where people go for, for help and, and support on it, setting it up. And then um, something else I'm working on in the background is the Submit Hub marketplace. So Ooh. the idea being, yeah, yeah, you can actually preview it at submithub.com slash marketplace, but it's, it's bare bones. Um, and the idea here is that as an artist today, you have to be the jack of all trades and you've got a million different things that you have to do as you prepare for your release. So album artwork, Ooh. getting your bio done, um, uh, setting up your ads. And so these are all micro tasks that you can hire people to do on Fiverr, for example. Yeah. But SubmitHub already has a community that's hyper-focused around music with a lot of people who have that skill set. So the idea is that yeah. we want to kind of do a Fiverr that is focused on music and, and with more... Uh, more quality control. So my experiences with Fiverr have been pretty bad. That they don't really have a dispute process. Uh, the person who gets to decide if your deliverable was satisfactory or not is the person who delivered it, <laughs> which I found outrageous. Like this guy, I hired a guy to write some code for me and it was terrible and he did it wrong and I tried to dispute it. And he was like, I've decided this dispute is unwarranted. Um, and that was it. Jesus. There was no more escalation or anything. So the idea with the SubmitHub Marketplace is it's a, it's a lot like Fiverr, but it's just within the SubmitHub community and it's around the tasks that you need to do releasing music, one of which will be setting yeah. up ads. And I know that's got quite a higher 
barrier for people. Um, there's also ad creatives, right? You have to make your creatives for that. And so you can hire someone to do it for you. Maybe they'll just yeah, use Wally. I don't know. This is a very but... interesting idea. And so you, you can apply as a person to be in there for a certain category. So I see like I could apply for yes. in marketing for ad setup and thing, and then you can set a price. Okay, oh, okay. so I'm guessing you probably play with this, but you, you have a range from 10 bucks to $100 per service. Is that like yep. you're trying to keep everything in that range or are you gonna be like tweaking with it as it goes? Primarily keeping things low. Uh, so for the initial initial few iterations of this, the idea is that these are micro tasks that shouldn't take mm. the person doing it more than an hour to three to execute. So um, even things like mixing a song, in many cases, yeah. that's going to be a much higher value task that you would go to somewhere like Sound Better for. Um, right. So and and I don't I don't necessarily want to dabble into that or get involved in disputes around. You know, I paid someone a thousand dollars and the credit card was a fake or they I wasn't satisfied. Like yeah, we don't want to yeah. get in that. Um, the idea is that these are <laughs> micro tasks. So paying someone to make album artwork for you might only cost ten dollars and they'll send you three different examples. Maybe yeah. they did just use one of these incredible AI things, but there is a skill to using right. these AI things as well. Um, you have to learn. I, how to I can the think right of a few and, areas where like under a hundred bucks. I'm sure there'll be people that would do it for under hundred bucks, but like lyric videos, for example. The cheapest person I've ever found to do like a good one is $108 a video. And they're from like another country where the minimum wage is way lower and, and it's not, not even feasible. Cool. Well, let me just, let me just change that for you then. So it's like, that's, that's one thing It's like, I'm sure the people to do it, yeah. but like, that's one area where like, it's rare. And, but, but like, so, so here's the advantage I have is that SubmitHub is a whole ton of YouTube curators who have experience creating lyric videos for their own channels. And so it's for true. them, a lot of that is like just they could do it in their sleep, right? Yeah. The same way that we have a whole bunch of people who set up ads all the time. You want to run Instagram ads for music? Not a problem. That's what I do. I'll set you up. Give yeah. me access to your Facebook and, and boom. So it's a big experiment. I don't know if it's going to yeah. work. Uh, I mean, like, some I of know it is from, diversifying. From my perspective, as someone who sets up ads and does consultations for people, I would never set someone's ads up for 100 bucks. Wouldn't, wouldn't no, but but you are Andrew Southworth. You I guess have built true. a reputation around being one of the best out there. Um, but that is but the thing about the the economy of being a curator on SubmitHub is that for many of these guys, they are looking for ways to to f further make this part of their their job, and so any additional thing is going to help yeah. in that direction. So if I'm already making lyric videos for my YouTube and I'm responding to submissions, and someone comes along and they offer me $20 to make a lyric video that looks like most of my other ones. Literally, all I have to do is take my, my skin or whatever, tweak it, put in the lyrics, and I'm done. Like it's, yeah. yeah, I mean, that, 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 anyway, that is a good point. Um, that, this is going to make a lot of waves, I think. I honestly think you might... Don't, don't overhype it. I, well, I mean, like I, I feel like, one, if you get enough people on it, like just to, it's really hard to find album artwork, Spotify canvas, lyric videos, ad creation for music artists. Like you have to comb mm. through Fiverr, through all the crap for like every other industry. So like that alone, to have one place for music where it's all there, I think like, it, assuming you get enough people on there doing it, I think it would be like really, really valuable. And then like, it'll also, I think like, if there's a lot of people who jump on here, like say, I'll do your mixing and mastering for less than a hundred bucks. 
it's like, I mean, like, I don't know what kind of quality anyone could expect to only pay a hundred bucks, but like, uh, you know, if, if there's a way for even people to get like a basic mix that they could never do themselves for a hundred bucks, that's a big deal for a lot of artists. Like, even if it's not professional, if it's better than what they could ever do and they could only afford that, that's a potentially a very high impact service. It's so, so this is one of the big advantages Fiverr had was that they open up the international economy to people from everywhere. Yeah. Uh, and so that brings prices down a lot. And SubmitUp has that in a way. We have tons of curators from areas where $10 is actually a significant amount of money. Uh, yeah. And these guys aren't necessarily less skilled, um, but they're, they're willing to do this task because they get to do something they love doing from their bedroom for money. So it, look, <laughs> it's a grand experiment. We'll see if it works. Sometimes Dylan and I are like, why are we even doing this? Yeah. Then I have a conversation like this and I go, yeah, well, you know what? Maybe it's not a bad idea. Um, yeah. How long will Spotify be around? I don't know, but you're still going to need album artwork. And yeah. do you want it to just look like all the other AI stuff out there? Or I, I think you, it has the potential to, to be like a dumpster fire for, for certain things like mixing and mastering. It might just be a bunch of like mediocrity. Yeah. But like for artist bio, yeah, we'll press kits creating short videos like that's stuff that like album reviews yeah like that that's something that would be way like it's all under the hundred dollar price point even a quality person could do it under there and um it's for music so it's like i i even if you have to comb through it and like remove a bunch of categories or something um i think it's a fantastic idea honestly well, we'll see if it works. It, yeah. it, this is another one where it's just driven by people's feedback. Um, so people making requests for, um, I wish I could do album reviews or I wish I could pe help people with ads or, you know, can yeah. I do this? And so we're, how, we're coding it for that purpose. How does SubmitHub make money off of it or do you at all? It, it's still the credit system. So uh, when credits are exchanged, there's a, there's a difference in the transaction amount. Um, and so that's where the fee is coming from. Wait, so, wait, so it's... 100 credits, if you, so, so you, okay, if you're a curator, yeah, earning two credits, how much do you get paid? You get paid a dollar, you get 50 paid... cents per credit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but the credits actually cost somewhere between 75 cents 80 cents 60 cents each depending on the deal that that person has how many they're buying whatever oh so that right. difference is where submit hub is making its money gotcha so if i buy 100 yeah. credits so, 80 cents a credit okay i see so it's yeah you're doing the, you're doing the math and then we we absorb all the fees the disputes the transactions and in this case we will be acting actually to review the deliverable before it gets delivered. So let's say that yeah. you are asking for uh, an album review. What's going to happen is that that person doing the review has to first submit it to our team. We will then pay someone on our team to sit down, make sure it passes the quality before it gets delivered to you. So this is sort of the idea of right. it's Fiverr with quality control and with the protection of, of, I think the term is escrow, but basically, you know, if you pay for a service, we're going to yeah. hold that money until the service is delivered and you're not going to have someone walk away with your money without delivering the service. So that's a good idea. That's the gist of it. That's how um, I get scammed on reverb once they, they seem to apparently uh, not have escrow set up because I bought, bought like a $4,000 synthesizer thing. And then like the person just shut down their account and like they sent a fake shipping thing. 
So I had to, I like I contacted <sighs> Reverb and I was like, this is obviously fake. And they're like, yeah, but unfortunately we've already given them the money. And um they've deleted all their accounts, so we can't do anything. So you have to go to PayPal. And I got my money back, but like I had to deal with PayPal. Yeah, and you know stuff. what? So so the money then got taken away from the from Reverb, who also lost out because they already delivered the money to the other person, right? So they gave him 4,000, then PayPal came and took 4,000 away from them. So they're now out 8,000 and PayPal also slaps a fee on top of that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so we deal with that a lot on Submit Hub. Um, there are a lot of people out there either using stolen credit cards mm. or deciding that they weren't happy with their purchase. And what they'll do is they'll just reverse the payment, at which point we are now out of pocket. Plus then PayPal slaps you with a, a fine for allowing... Yeah. A transaction like that. How could you? I, um, I hate the dispute thing because, like, like one of my courses, I have a 14-day refund policy. You know, so it's like if someone isn't happy, they email me, say, I'd like a refund. As soon as I see it, I go and do it. Like, I don't ask them. I don't make it difficult. It's like, are you within 14 days? Cool. Refund. And honestly, if someone's like really mm. unhappy a little bit past that, I'll just give it to them anyways. So it pisses me off to no, like, to no belief when someone goes to their credit card or PayPal and files a dispute and they never message me they never contact me and now i get i they get refunded but now i get hit with a 15 dollar fee and it's yep and um plus you lost that money on top of it so yeah. so it's just annoying and um i guess yeah. people don't want the confrontation of like having to reach out to me and say they're unhappy or whatever but like honestly at that point i go out of my way and email maybe it's them. their mom maybe they use their mom's credit card and their That's mom true. just was like what is this um yeah it, it happens sometimes. Sometimes we do get phone calls from confused mothers being like, what is this charge? Um, so it's kind of <laughs> weird. Those go to my CFO and he, he takes them. But um, yeah. Yeah. So, so the idea is that SubmitUp is handling the risk of this <laughs> for both parties. Uh, and I mean, that's a similar service to what Fiverr is providing. The, the difference here is that I think we're, we're going to try to review every single deliverable before it gets delivered to make sure that it's hitting some sort of quality. Yeah. At the end of the day, this is moving fairly slowly. I started in, in December and we're now in February. I was hoping to be done sooner, but I, I still need to prioritize the, the, the meat and potatoes of the business, which is submitting yeah. songs to curators. So most of, most of the marketplace stuff will be like, okay, I've got three hours here. And that happens two or three times a week tops. Um, yeah. Gosh, when was the last time I had three hours? <laughs> anyway. So yeah. we, we've been going it's gonna for, happen. for quite a bit. Been going for over two hours for yeah yeah and so i'll ask you one more question and then we'll call it and then um, no one's even watching anymore it's too long <laughs> Cut this in the you're gonna have to speed this up and do a bunch of chops like i actually do i have a guy that cuts up all these interviews and the clips and then i like okay kind of throw them i the full one goes up but i can also repurpose clips i guess the last question i'll ask out of the questions is this might be a fun one you help artists, you help music artists out with their marketing, but how does SubmitHub market itself? Oh man. So one way we do that is we hop on interviews with folks like you. That's a good way to do it. But we generally have never really done any marketing. Um, it's just all word it's of mouth. It's all been word of mouth. And what, one of the best ways to do that, of course, is that the curators themselves will say, hey, send your song to me on SubmitHub. We've actually got... Uh, competitor who's coming up fast now submit link great name um but his angle he's been going around through the list messaging everyone saying hey you know you can put up my link 
charge $10, and I guarantee you, you won't have any difference in the number of submissions you get on SubmitHub. So if someone comes to you directly through your website, charge them $10, but don't worry, your SubmitHub will be fine. You don't have to link to them anymore. Um, and, and people are doing it because... Wow. Um, so, so that word of mouth and that organic like pushing people through has been a good way of doing it. Um, yeah, we don't do much, man. We don't. Um, I'm out there sort of on Reddit paying attention to what people are saying. I've got little, little alerts. I don't do social media, really, so I'm not on there. Well, I guess Reddit is social media. Yeah. We've, we've dabbled before with like kicking off our Instagram and hiring a, someone to do it, but it never works out. And I think today, if you go to our Instagram, it's just basically says, hey, we, we're not here. <laughs> we're we're um, too busy come, doing come this. Find us. Um, yeah, come find us on the website. We're there. So yeah. I think I think in my mind, marketing is not my strong suit. Uh, I really enjoy building the product and developing the product and making it better. And I've been a, a believer that if I continue to make the product better, more effective, and deliver better results to both sides of the equation, then the product will speak for itself and people will keep using it. And so far, that's worked. Um, yeah. We just passed... 30 million submissions. Jesus. Yeah. It's so crazy. So it's, 30 million so it's, submissions. It's, it's worked, but, but we, we like once a month, the team gets together and we're like, damn, should we do something about marketing? Because Groover is like super on their marketing game, right? Yeah. They send out newsletters, like three newsletters a week. And they've, you know, they're just friendly and talkative. And, and their product suffers and is falling behind and really cannot hold a candle to to what we're doing, but they are, they're genuine and they market themselves well and they create, like they do a thing that I'm always very reluctant to do is they, they pitch their service as a way to help artists grow and find success. And I'm always reluctant to do that because I cannot guarantee that you will grow and find success. And if you don't grow and find success on SubmitHub there, I mean on Groover, their recommendation is that you should spend more artists who spend more money, get more shares. And, and so they seem to just push through that. And I've got this, this like mental block of, I don't want to go out there and be like, Submit Hub's the solution for your marketing. It, yeah. It, it's not. We went, we've gone over this in our conversation. So yeah, you're, at this you're, point. You're, you're not a salesman. You're not a marketer. You're, you're a guy who builds a product. And you're trying to make the best yeah. it can be and let it speak for itself, which I think is, I mean, it's working. I mean, honestly, I feel yeah, like... Yeah, I could probably, hire a marketing person, but I, like, I still don't even know. We've tried and it just doesn't work because we're, yeah. we're too focused on other stuff. I mean, the, the whole the way that I've marketed my courses is I've never once promised, like, you're going to buy my course and you're going to do things exactly as good as I can do them. Like, it's always been, I'm going to teach you how I do it. It's going to require a lot of work. You might fail, but at least you'll get the best shot you could have. And, like, I think people like my kind of less salesy salesmanship. And honestly, like, even if you were the face of the marketing, you're just like, listen, I built this thing. It connects you with curators. I'm trying to make it the best it can be. I'm not going to promise you anything, but I think if you try it, you'll like it. Like, I think people might be like, oh, like that's, maybe that's a breath of fresh air than this guy that's like, you're going to blow up. You're going to get the best results ever. Give us a thousand dollars and we'll blow up your music. You know, that's like people get getting tired with organic of plays, organic yeah plays yeah it'll so. be organic yeah um i at, at the end of the day it's it's uh i'm in a fortunate position to get to work on the stuff that i want to work on and marketing doesn't happen to be one of them yeah and um 
if I had my way, I would just be able to code all day, but at least half my day is customer support and putting out <laughs> dumpster fires. But uh, yeah. that, that includes the children I'm constantly <laughs> running around after. <laughs> but they're getting older. They're more manageable now. Um, yeah. So, yeah. I, this year, we'll do more communications work, I think. So, we're, as I said, we're going to try to move towards this digest, get rid of sort of the overwhelming negative emails, and then start to follow up with things like how Submit Hub keeps you safe from fake playlisters because I don't think people realize that we're the work that we're putting into doing that. Yeah. Um, or another thing we've touched on here is how you can leverage playlisters to teach Spotify's algorithm. So a little bit more educational stuff, I think mm. will go uh, uh, the distance or at least help a little bit. And we'll be doing that through, through email marketing. So, you know, we have close to a million registered users uh, and I've never once sent out a marketing email. So, <laughs> Missed opportunity, probably, but also the whole ethos of Submit Hub was to get rid of your emails. Uh, yeah. And so, yeah, I don't. Um, wow. Anyway. 